Om Song Saraswati in the Maha. The monster with ten heads. Mahananda, would you move back? Wasn't he one of the one of the swamis in the story about? Not this book. Another book. The monster with ten heads, uh, named uh, he who makes others to cry. Rud means to cry, and Rahaban, who causes others to cry, is Rahaban, and. Er, he has ten heads because he has five organs of action and five organs of knowledge. And he makes everyone cry. Well, he conquered the entire earth and then he stole away the pure nature of consciousness. And consciousness and his brother determination they went out in search of the pure nature of consciousness. And in their travels, they met pure devotion. And consciousness said to pure devotion, go and find my nature. Jump across the sea of worldliness Jump across the ocean of worldliness to the land of the kingdom of the ego and find the pure nature of consciousness. And tell her that consciousness has no capacity without his nature. Well, Hanuman, pure devotion, went to the edge of the sea along with a band of monkeys and everyone asked, who has the capacity to jump across the ocean of worldliness? And Angad said, I could get there, but I don't think I could get back. Jambavant said, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm too old to be jumping across oceans now. Huh. And they all looked to Hanuman, pure devotion. They said, Hanuman. Wake up. You are pure devotion. Wake up and remember your true nature. You are true devotion, pure devotion. You have the capacity to jump across the ocean of worldliness. Remember who you are and all the blessings that you've received and go find the pure nature of consciousness. And that's just what he did. He said the name of Ram. He jumped up across the ocean and he landed at the kingdom of the ego. Uh, there he met discrimination. And discrimination made friends with devotion and told him where he would find Sita, the pure nature of consciousness. She's held captive at the foot of the tree where there is no grief. In the garden of pleasure, the great ego, Ravan, hopes to seduce the pure nature of consciousness into accepting the ego as her consort. But Sita says, no, 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 I will have no one other than Ram. 
Ra means the subtle body. Ah means the manifestation of consciousness. Ma means perfection. The perfect manifestation of consciousness in the subtle body is Ra. I won't have anyone other than the perfect manifestation of consciousness in the subtle body. Hey, ego, do as you will. paid. The four means of negotiating, treating one with equality, making them a friend bestowing gifts or trying to bribe them into submission. Uh, it, trying to sow dissension amongst them and separating them from their allies or threatening them with dire consequences if they don't agree. You choose any means of diplomacy that you like. I won't submit. I won't have anyone other than Ram. Even to hear your words is an abomination to my ears. Ravana said, I give you one month to submit, otherwise I'm going to take you by force. I remember that, but he threatened her. <laughs> well, that's making a short story longer. <laughs> Huh. But he did say, I give you one month's time. I <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> tell the story. <laughs> and then as he, 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 Robin left, and Sita made friends with Trijatha, who is the head of the women demon guards. She said, Mother, you are mother to me. Bring me some fire so I can light my pyre. I don't even want to wear this body that has had to listen to the slander of the Lord. That great ego said nasty things about the one who occupies a place in my heart. And I don't want to wear a body which has been defiled by listening to his words. So bring me some wood so I can light my pyre. Trijatha said, I can't bring wood. I can't bring fire in the night. Uh, besides, if Ram attacks Lanka, which he will, it will be to find you. And you will become the cause of the downfall of the great ego. So, have patience. Trijatha left, and Hanuman came down from the tree. Pure devotion said to the pure nature of consciousness, I am the messenger of Ram, and here is the ring to show the emblem of my Lord. Recognize the ring of your husband and know me to be the ambassador of consciousness. And Sita said, how did monkeys become friends of, of the Lord? And Hanuman 
narrated the tale of the friendship between Sugriv, the excellent friend, and all the monkeys, how the monkey armies are out searching for Sita, waiting to fight with the great ego, to bring her back into union with her Lord. He said, Mother, have patience. Ram will come within a few days. Now, if you will allow me, I'm feeling a little hungry. So I'm going to go and have breakfast. <laughs> Sita gave her blessing. And Hanuman went off to the special garden of Ravan and started to eat the fruits. And after he ate enough to fill his belly, he started to pull the trees out of the garden by their roots. The guard saw this monkey and they immediately attacked. Hanuman defeated all the guards. And the guards ran off to tell the king, Robin, a monkey has come into your special garden and is destroying the entire garden. Robin sent his son, Akshakumar, who is eternally young and impetuous and foolish. And Akshakumar went into the garden, challenged Hanuman, and immediately met his demise. Then Ravan sent his son Meghnad, the boisterous nature of pride. Pride went into the garden and began to roar. And pure devotion said, uh, uh, I'm not going to surrender to the boisterous nature of pride, and they began to fight. The fight got so intense that pride took the weapon of Brahma, Brahmastra, the weapon of consciousness. And then Hanuman thought, if I don't respect the weapon of consciousness, then Brahma's greatness will be diminished in this world. Besides, I want to meet this Ravana and see what kind of a character he really is. Hanuman bowed to the Brahma-astra, the weapon of consciousness, hurled at him from the hand of the boisterous nature of pride and was immediately taken captive. Hanuman marched through the streets of Lanka, walked right into Ravana's court, just like a lion marching through a herd of elephants. When Hanuman got to the court, we're on page 57. Uh, we're going to chant a little faster tonight. Seeing the monkey bound in chains, the one with ten heads laughed and mocked his captive. Then he remembered his son's death, and his heart was filled with sadness. 
is. The lord of the kingdom of the ego said, Who are you, monkey, and by whose strength have you uprooted and destroyed my grove? Have you never heard of my fame, you fool? I see you standing there without any doubts or fear. For what fault did you slay my demon warriors? Have you no fear of losing your life? Pure devotion replied, Listen, ego. By whose power the entire existence has manifested from Maya, the measurement of consciousness, O one with ten heads, by whose power creative consciousness, Brahma, who takes away adversity, Vishnu, and the seer of all, Shiva, create, protect, and transform. By whose power the thousand-headed snake, infinity, supports the entire creation upon his head with mountains and forests, who wears different bodies in order to protect the gods and to teach fools like yourself the ways of righteousness, who broke Shiva's mighty bow and who ground to dust the pride of all the kings, who killed, who is always harsh, who manifests evil, who has three heads and who has immeasurable strength, who was the strongest of all, by a fraction of whose power you were able to conquer the entire world which moves and does not move, and whose beloved wife you stole away like a thief, I am his ambassador. I know very well your claims to lordship, Ego, how you fought with the one with a thousand arms, and how you attained fame fighting with, with, with who has immeasurable strength. Hearing the monkey's word, Ego laughed in derision. Pure devotion continued. I ate your fruits, O king, because I was hungry. And because of the nature of a monkey swinging in the trees, the trees broke. Everyone's body is most beloved to him, so I was forced to defend myself from your evil guards. Whoever attacked me, I was forced to fight back. In this, your son bound me and brought me as a prisoner. But have you no shame in binding me as a captive? I have come here desiring to perform my Lord's work. Hey, ego, with folded hands I plead with you, leave your egotism and accept my teaching. Think of the purity of your family traditions. Leave this confusion and celebrate the supreme divinity who removes all fear from devotees. Even almighty time fears him who dissolves the forces of unity, the forces of division, and the entire creation which moves and does not move. Do not cultivate his enmity. Heed my request and return the daughter of the cause the leader of light, the slayer of who is always harsh, the protector of light, uh, the protector of life, is an ocean of compassion. For those who take refuge in the Lord, he forgets all offenses. Keep the lotus feet of consciousness in your heart and enjoy the undisputed sovereignty of your kingdom. The, frame, the fame of Rishi Pulasti's lineage from which you are descended is as spotless as the moon. Do not allow yourself to become a stain. 
Words have no charm without the name of consciousness. Leave your intoxicated delusion and think carefully. Um, O enemy of the gods, a beautiful woman without clothes is not respectfully regarded no matter how many ornaments she wears. Without consciousness, all the wealth of a man is worthlessness, whether he attains his goals or not. A river which only flows during the rainy season immediately dries up when the rain has stopped. Listen, one with ten heads, I personally testify that one who is without consciousness will find no one to protect him. Not even a thousand Shivas, Vishnus, and Brahmas can save one who has turned away from consciousness. Renounce the root of delusion, the darkness of your egotism, which is the source of all pain, and worship the supreme divinity, the leader of light, the ocean of grace. The monkey tried to speak beneficial words about devotion, discrimination, renunciation, and ethics. But the great egotist laughed, saying, I have found a very wise monkey to be my guru. Hey, evil one, lowly one, you are teaching me? Death will come to you. Pure devotion replied, it will be in reverse. I clearly perceive, I clearly perceive that your mind is in confusion. Hearing the monkey's words, he became extremely agitated and called to his soldiers, Why don't you quickly take the life of this fool? Receiving this order, the soldiers were ready to strike when discrimination came forward from among the council of ministers, he bowed his head in humility and said that it is against the ethics of public policy to kill an ambassador. Oh, master, he said, choose another punishment. All agreed that this was most excellent. Hearing this, the one with ten heads said, Break the limbs of the monkey and send him back. I have understood from all that monkeys have great attachment to their tails. Therefore, soak cloths in oil and tie them around his tail and set it on fire. The, when the monkey will return to his master without a tail, then the fool will return here with his lord. I will be able to see the greatness of he who has been praised so lavishly. When the monkey heard this, he smiled to himself and thought, I know that Saraswati, the goddess of knowledge, has helped us in giving him this idea. <laughs> Obeying the order of the ego, the foolish demons began preparations to set the tail on fire. In play, the monkey made his tail longer so that there was not even enough cloth, ghee, or oil in the city to cover the tail. <laughs> the citizens came to see the spectacle and hurled insults and laughed at his plight and kicked him with their feet. They played the drums and clapped their hands while the monkey was led through the streets of the city. When pure devotion saw that his tail was set on fire, 
he immediately assumed an extremely small form. Slipping out from his bonds, he jumped to the heights of the golden ramparts of the city. Seeing him, the women became with fear became filled with fear. At the inspiration of God, the winds began to blow. The monkey roared with a loud laugh and made his body to grow until it touched the sky. Even though his body was so huge, it was very light in weight. He ran and sprang from palace to palace. The whole city was ablaze and the citizens were terrified and the extremely fearful flames jumped and danced. People were heard to cry, Father, Mother, who will save us? Who told you that he was no, we told you that he was no ordinary monkey? He must be some god in the form of a monkey. This is the fruit of disrespecting sadhus, holy men of God, that our whole city is ablaze and there is no one here to protect us. And in a few moments there was nothing left of the city except the home of discrimination. <laughs> Shiva said, Parvati, she was, Shiva was telling the story to Parvati, just as Kakpushundi, the crow, was telling the story to the guru, the eagle, just as Ganesh was telling the story to Tulsidas. Parvati, Pure discretion, pure devotion was the ambassador of the one who created fire. That is why it turned out opposite. Instead of burning the tail, fire burnt the entire city. Then the monkey extinguished the fire on his tail in the ocean. Extinguishing the flaming tail, he again took his small form and with hands folded in respect, presented himself before the daughter of the cause. He went back to Sita and he said, Oh, mother, please give me some token by which our visit can be known, just like the leader of light gave to me. Remember, Ram gave the ring so that Sita would know that he was the ambassador of consciousness. Now Hanuman asked for some token from Sita so that Ram would know that he is Sita's ambassador. Then she removed her hair ornament and presented it which the son of the wind accepted with great delight. She said, son, give him my respect and speak on my behalf in this way. Oh, Lord, you are free from selfish desires in every way, and you are the giver of compassion to all who are distressed. Please, O oh Lord, take away the burden of my distress. Son, remind the Lord of the story of the ruler of purity's son victorious, who remind, and remind him of the power of his arrows. If he does not come for me within a month, he will not find me alive. Tell me, O oh monkey, how else can I remain alive? You, my son, now speak of going, seeing you br brought relief to my heavy heart, but again I have before me more of the same, both in the day and in the night." So here was a story of Joya, a story which only Ram and Sita knew, how Joya uh, took the form of a crow and pecked Sita's foot. Ram took an arrow and threw it at Joya, and Joya ran and flew, fled from the arrow all the way around the world, but because he was an enemy of consciousness, no one would give him refuge at all. <laughs> 
And then finally the crow flew back to Ram's feet and bowed down and took refuge in the Lord. Because that's the only place where people can find refuge is at the feet of God. And Sita said, if, if you wouldn't accept that kind of disrespect from a crow, of pecking my foot, how can you allow this situation, me to be captive in the home of the great eagle? Come and save me. Uh, seeing you brought relief to my heavy heart, but again I have before me more of the same both in the day and in the night. In many ways, missing an end there. On page 74, in many ways he tried to explain to the daughter of the cause and give inspiration to maintain her patience. Then, bowing his head to her lotus feet, the monkey departed to be with consciousness. As he departed, he let out a great shout, which caused many pregnant demon women to have miscarriages in fear. <laughs> Seeing him crossing the ocean to the other shore, all the monkeys let out a great shout of triumphant joy. All were filled with delight to see pure devotion, and they all understood that he had granted them a new life. See, there they were stuck on that side of the, shore, uh, uh, of the ocean of worldliness, not knowing how to cross. They couldn't go back and say, Ram, we failed. They couldn't go forward because they didn't know how to cross the ocean. And Hanuman granted them redemption. He freed them from their predicament. And it was as though he had granted them a new life. His face was extremely contented and his body emitted light so that everyone could understand that he had completed the work of consciousness. Everyone was so happy to greet him just like a fish out of water suddenly finding him itself submerged again. With great delight, they returned to the leader of light, asking questions and discussing the recent events. Then they all entered the grove of honey, and along with he who subordinates himself, ate the, of the fruits and honey. When the protectors protested their entry, they were beaten and driven away. So here was Sugriv's famous grove of honey, uh, the king's private uh, stash of nectar. And they all went into the grove and they beat up the guards and they ate all the nectar. They were so filled with delight. Then the guards, who had been beaten up by their own army, they went to the king. They all went to complain to the king that the crown prince, he who subordinates himself, allowed his soldiers to devour the fruits of the sacred grove. When excellent friend, Sugriv, the king, heard this news, he was delighted. And he knew that the monkeys had returned, having accomplished the work of the Lord. If they had not found out the news of nature, is it possible that they would have eaten the fruits of the grove of honey? While the king was thinking in this way, the group of monkeys arrived. 
When they arrived, they all bowed their heads to the feet of their king, and he received them with great love. He asked of their welfare, to which they replied, On seeing your feet, we are well. By the grace of consciousness, we have completed the special task for which we were sent. O Lord, pure devotion did all of the work, and he preserved the life of all the monkeys. Hearing this, excellent friend greeted him again, and then all of the monkeys went to see the Lord of Light. When consciousness saw the approach of the monkeys, his mind was filled with special delight, knowing that they had completed the work for which they were sent. The two brothers were seated upon a seat of crystal. All the monkeys came and bowed before the brothers' feet. The compassionate Lord of Light embraced them all with great love and asked of their welfare, O Lord, seeing your lotus feet, now we are well. Respected brother of all spoke, Listen, King of Light, O Lord, whoever receives your compassion, his is always welfare and delight. Gods, human beings, wise men, all are delighted because of that. He is victorious. He has humility. He becomes an ocean of qualities. His excellent fame spreads throughout the three worlds. With the grace of the Lord, all of the work was completed, and today the purpose of our lives has been fulfilled. O Lord, the work which the son of the wind performed today, even a thousand mouths will be unable to proclaim. Even still, this respected brother of all, myself, will try to relate to the Lord of light the story of his accomplishments. Having heard the story, the repository of grace was pleased in his mind, and with great delight he embraced pure devotion to his heart and said, O dear one, in what way does the daughter of the cause live, and how does she protect her life? Day and night your name is her protector, and other than you she thinks of nothing else. Her eyes remain focused upon her feet where they are locked, then by what path could her life flee? This is as far as we've read. Oh, here, pure devotion is describing the status of nature to the Lord of Consciousness. Uh, do we have any questions about how the Lord, uh, uh, how Hanuman, pure devotion, jumped across the ocean of worldliness? Well, then it's important for all of us to remember our true identity. Because this is a story that's happening continuously. Many of us have misplaced our purest nature. And it's only pure devotion that's going to find her and bring her back to us. He woke up and remembered that he was the ambassador of consciousness. That his every activity was uh, uh, 
representative of his love for God. His every action manifested his devotion. That's just how he did it. And that's the only way we're going to do it, too. That's just what the story is telling us. That inside all of us, there's a battleground between the king of ego and the pure nature of consciousness. All of us are trying to jump across this worldliness and find our purest nature. And the only way to do it is to wake up and remind ourselves regularly that we are the ambassador of consciousness, representing consciousness in everything we do. We are the pure devotion that can find the, the true nature of consciousness. All we have to do is find our excellent friends Jump. What's the difference between waking up and knowing that you're the ambassador of consciousness and waking up and knowing that you're the consciousness itself? Not much difference. <laughs> waking up and knowing you are the ambassador of consciousness brings us into savikalpa samadhi. It is a, an, an, a relationship in duality. The ambassador of consciousness. And waking up and remembering that you are consciousness brings us into nirvikalpa samadhi. So the distinction or the d division between them is very, very subtle. Uh, they're merely increased intensities of absorption. The first step is to become the ambassador and then we get to be the one who is represented. Um, you just said two, three moments ago that um, devotion, pure devotion to Mahalami, is the way to accomplish that. And um, Ramakrishna speaks in the Gospel about bhakti being the, the methodology for Kali Yuga. Is this a scripture for Kali Yuga? It's a scripture for all the yugas, but it's especially important in Kali Yuga. Now, as much as we love, so much do we pay attention. You love something a little bit, you pay a little bit of attention. You love something a lot, you pay a lot of attention. You love something totally, and you become lost. You become so focused on your beloved, you forget about being the lover. We lose ourselves. So as much is our bhakti, our devotion, as is the quality of devotion, so is the quality of attention. So is the quality of meditation. So bhakti and dhyan are the two sides of the same coin. You cannot meditate without devotion. Or as devoted as you are, so intense is the absorption of your meditation. Now, 
gan, wisdom, is a function of attention. In order to learn something, you have to pay attention. In fact, all through our educational career, our teachers told us one thing repeatedly, pay attention to this. And as is the quality of our attention, so is the quality of our learning process. So Dan and Gan are the two sides of the same coin. Uh, they are merely representative of the different aspects of the same activity. Learning takes place through paying attention. Now, action, effective action, efficient action, divine action is acting in accordance with wisdom to evolve a greater harmony. When we apply wisdom to the circumstances of life, we can come into union through action. And we can only do that when we pay attention. And dhyan, gyan, bhakti, and karma are not separate paths at all. They are the four constituent elements of union, yoga. They are all required. They are only spoken of as separately so that we can understand how they are different from each other and how to apply them. But yoga, chitta vritti niroditi yoga. That's the, the cessation of all modifications in, in the functions of consciousness. The prohibition of any change or modification. Jitta, vritti, all the vritti, all the change or modifications. In the objects of awareness, jitta, vritti, nirod, the cessation, prohibition of all change or modification in the objects of consciousness. That means consciousness is perfectly still, focused, totally aware, totally absorbed, consumed in attention. That means devotion is obviously present. That means meditation is obviously present. That means wisdom is obviously present. And what did we do to get there? Karma. Dhyan, Gyan, Bhakti, and Karma are the four constituent elements of yoga, of union. So that's why he's saying, you got to be devoted. Pure devotion is what's going to make you focus. And focus is what's going to make you learn. And knowledge is what's going to bring you into harmony through your actions. So they're not separate paths, as we discussed in our Bhagavad Gita class. It's only one path. And there are four aspects of the one path. So here, pure devotion is jumping across the ocean of worldliness. And that's why we're trying to awaken that spirit within us as a harmony of union. Union is a harmony. Please. To cultivate devotion, uh, 
grab on to the nine Durgas. The first is the goddess of inspiration. Second, the goddess of study. Third is the goddess of practice. And fourth is a goddess of refinement. Take an inspiration and start learning about it. Whatever turns you on, study. Whatever you study, practice. And whatever you practice, refine that practice. Fifth is the goddess who nurtures divinity. Make it a divine expression. Sixth is the goddess who is ever pure, free from error. Seventh is a goddess who allows us to overcome the darkness of duality. Lose yourself in the action. And eighth is the goddess who is one with the great radiant light. This is the way I illuminate myself. Ninth is the grantor of perfection. Navadurga prakirtita uktanyetani namani brahmanhebap mahatmana. These are the nine durgas united in succession in the path of divinity proclaimed by the supreme creator from the origin of creation. Take an inspiration, study, practice, refine, nurture that as a divine offering become free from air, ever pure, overcome the darkness of duality, lose yourself in the action. Become one with the great radiant light, ninth is the grantor of perfection. That's how you cultivate devotion. Now, in another portion of the Ramayana, Shabri uh, gave us a, a, a different expla uh, explanation. Actually, she asked Ram, What's the way to cultivate devotion? Hmm. Does anybody have um, a Guru and the Goddess book? Hmm? You have one here? Thanks. Thank you. It just happened to be one of the things in the Guru and the Goddess book. Pratamam bhagati sangtana kara sangha Dusvirati mamakata prasangha Gurapada pankaja seva Tisari bhagati amane Choti bhagati mamagunagana Karai kapata tajigana Mantra japa mamadira bishwasa Panchama bhajana sobeid prakasa Chattasamathila dirati ubaku karma Nirata the first step is to associate with saintly people. And the second is to enjoy stories of divinity and divinely inspired beings. The third step of devotion is the feeling of privilege to perform selfless service as an expression of love. While the fourth step is to sing of divine qualities or characteristics without any selfish motivation. The fifth step of devotion is to recite mantras with full faith. 
The sixth, uh, the, this is the step, this is the path illuminated by the Vedas. The sixth step is to perform all actions with tranquility and to see every circumstance as an opportunity to manifest perfection. The seventh form of devotion is to see the world as equal to God and to regard the company of saintly beings as a greater opportunity than the perception of God. The eighth step is to be satisfied with whatever one receives as the fruit of one's actions and not to contemplate the faults of others. The ninth step of devotion is to remain with simplicity all the time, to renounce conniving for selfish ends, and to take delight in faith in God with neither exaltation nor unhappiness. For whomever, even one of these forms of devotion is practiced, be it woman or man or a movable or unmovable object, that being is most beloved of God. All of these forms of devotion are present in great measure within you. Uh, the seventh one is to see the world as equal to God and to regard the company of saintly beings as a greater opportunity than the perception of God. That is, I'd rather have satsang than even to have a darshan of God. Yes, tat swarga apabarga suk doria tula ek ang tul nataki sakalamili jo sukalabasatasang. Take all the pleasures of heaven and even those of liberation, put them on one side of the scale. They do not compare to the joy of satsang, of having company of saintly beings. Thank you very much. Is that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. It's true. Is it really true? Yeah, it's true. Because even if you see God for an instant, uh, when the instant is over, you come back with a great inspiration. But if you see, uh, if you have the company of saints, uh, you get to learn the way that you can put yourself into the company of God at will. And what to do when you come back. That sounds a little sneaky to me. I, you're still putting the, you, they, they'll help you go back to the vision of God. Yeah. Well, so then the, the vision of God is still higher. But you get, you get empowered to go there yourself. Well, that sounds good. That sounds better. <laughs> uh, it's one thing for God to come to you, uh, but it's one thing to have the secret by which you can go to God. Now, which would you rather have? To wait for God to come to you, or would you rather have the address? Oh. Once you've got her phone number, yeah. Then you can just dial in anytime you choose. And that's what you learn in satsang. Whereas if you, if you define kripa as grace, the grace that descends upon little unworthy me, then you're going to wait for a long, long time. But as we understand kripa, as kri means koro, do, and pa means pao, get. 
Kripa, the grace, is what you do is what you get. You will get the fruit of your karma. Once you have that understanding, then you start discriminating, what karma do I want? Because what fruit do I want to get? Once we know what our goal is, then the path is academic. And so long as we were wandering and thinking, I might like that goal and I might like that goal, then it's very difficult to find the straight path to get to where we want to go. And that's what the grace is. Kripa. Do and get. So that's what this satsang will give us. It's kripa. We come and we do and we get. And we don't wait for the grace to descend upon us. We take affirmative action to bring the grace to us. We define our goals and we define our path and we uh, establish our value system. And we proceed with sankalpa, knowing what we want to do. So that's why it's more important to have the company of saints uh, than it is to have uh, one vision of God. Then God becomes your friend. God becomes your own. And you don't have to stand and wait. You know what to do to go. When it's time to go. And when you can let go. And go. Do you know how many times people, uh, God comes to people's houses and, and people say, oh God, I'm so glad you're here. My house is just a mess. Could you help me clean it up? <laughs> how many houses did we walk into where people said, gee, the Davy Munder family is here. Now you can do, you can fix my house. <laughs> Sri Ma came. She can clean up for me and organize it. Remember how quickly we left those places? <laughs> a lot of people was entirely the opposite. A lot of people were. They said, God is coming to my house. I'm preparing everything to welcome her. A lot of people said, it's your house. Yes. That was nice. That was very nice. And then they gave it up and they came here. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, most of the people who said, it's your house, they said, I don't need it anymore. You take over the payments. I'm moving in the Davy Mundir. Who wants to pay for a house? I'm going to the Davy Mundir where we can celebrate all day long. That's what happened to most of the people who said that, Mitra. But the people who said, gee, I've got such a mess waiting for you. They still got the same house with the same mess. <laughs> so, can I ask a, a question about devotion? Um, you're saying devotion is necessary for meditation, even. Yes. In the West, it seems like, in my mind, devotion sort of has this sentimentality to it. Is that a necessary? Is how, is sentimentality part of this devotion or not? What does this word mean to you? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Devotion to me is this attracting power 
that something has to me. It, it captivates me, it attracts me, it calls me, I think about it, uh, it w I want more of it, I long for that association and I want to increase its presence in my life. I want to become closer to whatever I'm devoted to. I don't know what about sentimentality. I don't, uh, it, it is a sentiment, but it's only one small portion of sentiment. The devotion is that longing, loving desire that's selfless. I don't want it to increase my status or increase my prestige or increase my power. I just want it to be with it. So it sounds like it's innate almost. It's not like you're deciding I'm going to be devoted. You have that already there to a certain extent. Well, the first comes inspiration. So, yes, something calls us. And then we cultivate that relationship. And the more we cultivate it, the stronger becomes the bond. And the greater the attraction. So, if you've... Try to, you had an experience of being silent and still in meditation, and you think, well, I'm going to be silent and still. It doesn't work unless you have some attraction to it. You have to have something pulling you. Now, in the cosmic puja, we worship eight forms of passion. Ugra chanda prachanda cha chanda ugra chanda naika chanda chanda bati chayba chanda rupa ati chandika. The eight forms of passion would say, hey, I, I don't, I'm not passionately lusting after this as an object to enhance me. I, I'm passionately loving, passionately desiring so I can give myself. I want to give myself. It's not that I want to possess. So these eight forms of passion say, when I love you, I want to love you passionately. That's what brings me closer. It's not uh, an intellectual concept of love. It's a real attraction. Like there's this magnetic force pulling and I think those are the qualities of devotion, that there's this natural attraction that makes me want to come closer, and I can think more about it, and I want to focus on it, and I want to exclude less, more from my mind and think of less, because that, that object or that relationship has so much attraction to me. So, in some ways, it's natural, and it just happens. And in other ways, we cultivate it and yield and surrender to it. When we get a little taste of it, we go back for more, and we ourselves start paring down all that's unnecessary, all that's extraneous to that relationship. We take affirmative action and say, God, you know, that's not really in keeping with this desire. All those frivolous other desires are not so important to me as this desire. So now intellectually I have a hierarchy of my desires. 
And when I get that inspiration, I reevaluate the importance, the priorities. I prioritize my desires until the desire for godliness and to be in the presence of God becomes the most, the strongest passion in my life. And then I can start doing sadhana. All the rest is just sort of talking about doing sadhana. When that relationship becomes the top on the list, then we start doing sadhana. And everything else that we do is valuable to us because it supports that topmost desire. The only reason Dr. Jimmy is looking for a new job is because he loves God so much. And he wants to be able to serve God by serving humanity. And to find a conducive environment to live in so that he can continue to worship God. And to keep that in his mind all the time. And he loves the satsang, so he wants to be near the satsang so he can continue to nurture that desire. And that's the only reason he's in California looking for new employment. Because obviously, he, he wouldn't leave his comfortable place in St. Louis because, uh, for any other reason. And that's true for all of us in this circle tonight. All of us are here because we have a strong desire to be closer to her. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very nice. Yeah. It just says, I love you. <laughs> Not because of what you do for me. I just love you. Because of what I get to give to you. And how I feel as I'm giving it to you. That's devotion. According to me. Sure, sure. I long for my beloved to understand how much devoted I am, how much I love. I want to demonstrate it. It's not enough for me to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Somebody, one day, somebody's got to get up and bring you the groceries. <laughs> I love you enough to take out the garbage. It's not just, I love you, I love you, I love you, the words. It's, I love you, that I, I'm acting for your benefit because of my love, just to demonstrate my love, not because I want you to act for my benefit or I don't want anything in return. I just want to demonstrate the love. Now that's devotion. And you know what? Every one of us wants to be loved that much. Would it be any different for her? All of us feel such joy when we're loved so unequivocally. 
with no reservation, no hesitation, no ulterior motive. Every one of us feels enhanced and elated to the highest degree. Wouldn't she feel that way? Wouldn't Ram feel that way? And that's just why this Sundrakhand is waking up pure devotion. Say, yeah! Well, they forget from time to time. The, <laughs> these Asuras climb up and kick Indra out of heaven. And he falls down to earth and thinks that he's a human being. <laughs> Along with all the other gods and goddesses, they have nowhere to go. They move into the bodies of men and women, and then they start acting foolishly. And they wake up <laughs> and they jump across the ocean of worldliness and find their true nature and go right back to heaven. And there goes another story. <laughs> we can write another book <laughs> and sing another song about how time and time again we fell down, we forgot, we became thinking ourselves to be human ad nauseum. <laughs> and then some crazy sadhu came and kicked us in the pants we woke up <laughs> we jumped across the ocean of selfishness <laughs> we found our pure nature we remembered who we are we got our nature united with our consciousness we put our heart and our mind in the same place and we went right back to heaven where we ruled again for another thousand divine years I would suggest that we focus on what we can do rather than worrying about what we can't do. Uh, here we are with some capacities, limited though they may be. Let us utilize all of the capacities that we've been endowed with and let that be the path that we follow, what we can do. And don't worry about what we can't do. It, the time will come when God will reveal that part of the equation. Let's focus on what we can do and get to work. Yes? Faith. Well, we, of course we have faith. We, we really believe this is true. Obviously. We believe there is a God. That's why we're all here in a temple. We have faith. Once you believe that there's a God, then the, the next step is, well, why am I not living life <laughs> according to my belief. I believe there is a God. Now what's the most important thing once I believe there's a God? The, once you say that statement, <laughs> I believe in God, 
something becomes compulsory, it becomes incumbent upon us to live life accordingly. And that's what the study of scripture is going to do. It's going to tell us what is appropriate behavior for devotees of God. You can see it very clearly. Hanuman doesn't want to rest until he's finishing God's work. He never tires. He takes the sankalpa and he fulfills his vow. He's focused totally upon the completion of his task. And he does it with such love and generosity and gentility, such humility and respect. His every action typifies his love of God. He is the ambassador of consciousness. Yeah, please. So Sita, she allowed herself to be taken. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. For the purpose of allowing Hanuman to show his devotion? Well, this whole drama is going on. Well, you allowed yourself to become embodied in that body huh? just so that we could observe how the Lord would function in the form of Siddhananda. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> the only way, uh, only reason you embodied yourself and all the other gods and goddesses associated with you. Just to express their divinity, we all came to this association which is conducive to expressing our highest divinity. What else are we doing in Napa, California on a hilltop with a bunch of hippies? Why else would people make the climb through the mud and the wind and the, the rain? I guess isn't that question of why did God bother to make Why did you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Oh, that's your nature. Yes, Siddhananda, you'll get the right answer. He's been paying attention. Are there any other objects of, uh, or items for gossip? Om songs. Doha 50 till end. <laughs>